You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into a special edition, a special abbreviated Monday Elite Eight edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast. I am Julian Edlow. Our guest we have had in the past, we actually had him on an on an interesting day that ties in very well with today. Uh, James Alberino. You can find him on Twitter at Spread Investor. James, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. That, that day that you're referring to wasn't as fun as, as this kind of conversation is going to be. No, um, it was not fun a couple months ago. <laughs> so we are, what's the date? It is March 29th and we are starting the elite eight tonight. Uh, James came on with us on January 28th and he gave out a play of Oregon state plus either 12 or 12 and a half, I think against USC. Um, they were in it the whole game. We got an awful beat on a, uh, a three-pointer that missed that should have been a turnover because of a shot clock violation. And then an easy offensive rebound, I think, put back. USC wins by 13 covers. Um, that is one of the last times that Oregon State failed to cover. And both of these teams actually now find themselves in the Elite Eight as, as two of three Pac-12 teams somehow in the Elite Eight. Uh, it has been a wild ride since then. But just to stick with uh, the Oregon State Beavers, who are our first game on Monday night against Houston, uh, sitting right now on DK Sportsbook as seven-and-a-half-point dogs, plus 255 on the money line. Ever since that game, they have only failed to cover, let's see, three times. They are 17 and four, I believe, against the spread as an underdog this season. They have covered, what is this, nine, 13 of their last 14 games as underdogs, I believe. That goes back to February 11th against Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, ridiculous run against the spread, but ridiculous run through the Pac 12 tournament as massive underdogs. Uh, and to get through, you know, Tennessee, I know neither of us were high on and couldn't have pounced on that fast enough, but impressive wins over Oklahoma State, Loyola Chicago, both good teams. And here we are with Oregon State, the Beavers in the Elite Eight going against Houston. Uh, I know what side of this game you're going to be on, but before we break it down this game, just thoughts overall on on this Oregon State run, what you've seen along the way. 
Yeah, they're a classic team that it took a couple months for them to really come together. And that's the thing with college basketball. I mean, you see it even in the NBA, too. It takes some teams longer to, to figure it out. Uh, college basketball, especially. And then you, you throw in a, a COVID year where limited preseason training. But this is a team that they, they just have a little bit of everything. They have really good guard play. Lucas and Ethan Thompson like to play in the big spotlight. They've got a really good defense, uh, very good head coach. And then they're big guys. Roman Silva, 7-1, who, who did a really good job on Crutwick the other day. Julian, he wasn't playing. He wasn't, he wasn't starting up until a couple of weeks ago. And his, his minutes were not big at all throughout the whole season. So that's impressive how he came along. But I think Wayne Tinkle, the head coach, he, he deserves a ton of credit because he's just he's kept them so dialed in on this run. This is a team that has never experienced this type of success, and yet they're staying on track, not letting the emotions get to yeah. them. Yeah, they beat Cade Cunningham last week. They beat Tennessee. They beat big powerhouse schools on, on a national spotlight. You see a lot of underdog team, a lot of, a lot of stories like that. They, they won't finish the job. This is a team that's still going right now. Yeah, let's look back in December. This team lost three of four games to Washington State, Wyoming, Portland. Then they beat UTSA. Then they lost to Portland State. Uh, they lost some of those games as 16 and a half, 12 and a half point favorites. Yeah. Now they have won, you know, beat Oregon as eight and a half point dog. Colorado is an eight and a half point dog. Tennessee is an eight and a half point dog. Oklahoma State, that came down to six. Loyola Chicago closed at seven, winning those all in a row. Um, and here they are now against Houston, which is a new and, and tough matchup. Um, the Tennessee one, I, I was very high on that play and just yeah, immediately wanted to take the eight and a half and play the money line. Oklahoma State and Loyola, I had to talk myself a little more into and kind of, you know, I knew I wanted to bet them, but add to my play a little bit along the way as I became more confident in them. Uh, this Houston one, this Houston one is tough. So I, I took Oregon State at eight and a half as soon as it opened. I had them at plus 300 on the money line. Uh, at this point, like, let's just be real. We're all, we're all aboard the Beaver train okay. here. And if they lose this game, you tip your hat and say, what a, what a run. Thank you for it all. But I still think they have a great shot in this game against Houston. What do you see in this matchup? Look, Houston's athleticism is going to be tough in this game. Yep. This is this is going to be a different test than Loyola because there's more size from Houston. Houston's Houston's forwards are a lot bigger. They're they're there's just a lot more athleticism than Loyola gave to them. Um, what goes into Oregon State's favor is Houston's not a great shooting team. They struggled shooting versus Syracuse. They struggled shooting versus Rutgers. I did not think Rutgers was impressive, but I, I mean, the general consensus across the country, Rutgers wasn't impressive for the last four or five weeks of the season. They weren't a very good team this year and Houston struggled to put them away. Oregon state has the half court defense where, where they can make this game more of the speed and, and more of the tempo that they want. Um, Oregon state has to maximize possessions in this game. They have to play relatively slow. They have to mix up defenses on Houston the same way that they've been doing. But they do have everything to make this a, a very close game. Uh, Houston thrives on, on winning offensive rebounds. Oregon State's got the size, and, and they're a good rebounding team. So th there's really not much of a worry there. It's what was tough with Oregon State. They didn't handle the spotlight great in the beginning of that game versus Loyola Chicago. They didn't, they didn't come out the gate very strong. Um, Gianni Hunt, who's their, their best guard off the bench, 
he was like a deer in headlights the first couple of minutes, but then they started getting to rhythm. That's what I love about this team too, is they don't rely on just one guy. Jared Lucas, who's been their guy, the point guard, he had a big shot to clinch the game the other day. He got two fouls in the first three minutes of the game last game, which one of them was complete ridiculous call. He, he essentially tickled the shooter's elbow on the first one that shouldn't have been called. He I mean, we don't have to get into the officiating in this tournament. That's a whole uh, side story. It's been very, it's been pretty questionable. But um, when he went to the bench, that's when I got worried because you you need a guy like that. And the way that Oregon State responded, it it shows you what type of team this is. So I, I think they have enough to keep this really close. Um, I don't know if you took it with me, but I'm I'm in on 11 to one for Oregon State to make it to the Final Four before the game versus Loyola. So I haven't made a move yet in terms of how I'm hedging this. Uh, I, I might get a little risky and, and wait till uh, an in game because uh, I think I could get a better number if I do take yep. Houston on the money line live. Um, but yeah, th- this should be a great game down to the wire. Yeah, totally agree. And just. One last thought on it, like like you're talking about the Houston athleticism. It's it's a, such a different game from Loyola. That's more of you know a mental game, a grind game, and they they figured it out. The Oklahoma State game stands out to me a little bit in terms of how they can compete in this game. It's you know it's not apples to apples, but a very athletic team with some size. Um, it just gives me a little bit of encouragement that it could be that they can beat that type of that type of opponent. Um, but the run that Oregon state's on right now, I, we know why this has gone from, from eight and a half to seven and a half. Uh, they're, they're going to be competitive in, in this game. And, uh, for, for both of us, hopefully they win it because that's where, that's where we're invested. Um, Arkansas Baylor, this is a tougher game to get a, a feel on. I know that you don't have necessarily a strong play on this game. I don't, I don't have a very strong opinion outside of like the square opinion that, you know, it's, it's a good game. Arkansas is solid. I would be pretty surprised if Baylor lost this game, yeah. uh, the way that they are controlling games right now. Like This is a fantastic three-point shooting team that just went three of 19 or whatever it was against Villanova and mopped them by double digits, won the second half by 19, whatever it was, to, to be able to get that done. Uh, they didn't even need to shoot well, and they the, – the ability to get to the rim when they were just kind of like, all right, these aren't going in. And those three guards just go, we'll get to the rim every time if we want to. And, and did it makes it tough to imagine that they will lose a game to an Arkansas team that I have respect for, but that made it tight with Oral Roberts had a shot to lose that game, made it tight with Texas tech, had a shot in the air to, to lose that game as well. Um, came out slow against Colgate and then kind of found themselves I have I cashed a Baylor Elite Eight ticket that I wrote up in one of my articles. I also have them plus one sixty to go to the final uh, to go to the final four by winning this game. I have no reason to add anything to the points or do anything with the money line. I'm just going to let that ticket ride because I'm very confident in Baylor in this game. Do you see anything differently? No, I think Baylor's the right side in this game, and I I don't love seven and a half, but I, I do think they can cover. They've been a little undervalued at the beginning of the tournament because they got off their COVID pause right before the tournament started. So the last thing that everyone saw was, oh, well, they struggled a little bit versus West Virginia. And, and they yeah, okay, but what about the Sunday afternoon game when they blew out Texas Tech? Like, they, they dominated Texas Tech. I don't think that many people watched that game. It was a, a Sunday afternoon. It was, like, mixed in with a busy schedule right after a big Saturday night slate of games. So I think that kind of – 
got tucked away and not many people saw how impressive Baylor was, but Arkansas has a habit of slowing, getting, getting off to slow starts. So if you do that versus Baylor, Baylor's got the defense, Baylor's got the size. Uh, I'm hoping we get Baylor Gonzaga because that would be arguably the best game of the tournament. For sure. Uh, and, you know, you look at the way that Baylor is, is going right now. I think it's just those, those few games, those non-covers going into tournament play. Uh, they were two and five, it looks like, in those last seven games against the spread. Um, and they also didn't even cover against, against Hartford, uh, won that game by 24. I think that's just given us more value on, on Baylor as the tournament has, has gone on. And that's kind of what we're seeing here, although it's a, it is a bigger number. Um, we'll get to, I guess we can talk about maybe a potential Baylor Gonzaga matchup before we go, but let's do the, uh, the Tuesday games quickly. Gonzaga and USC. Now, Gonzaga has steamrolled uh, everybody along the way. Creighton was about as good a matchup as I think Gonzaga could have had because Creighton's just going to play how Gonzaga plays, but not nearly as as well. Uh, and you just see over the course of that game, the more possessions they are, the more the Zags are just going to open up that lead. And I, I don't know what Creighton can can do. They have to play completely change their game to have a chance in that game, and they weren't able to do that. Uh, this is going to be a different game. USC just dominated Kansas. USC just dominated Oregon. They're playing very well. They have the size to compete with Gonzaga. Uh, the Mobley brothers down low are, are going to be an issue, and that's what I think is the most interesting aspect of this game. USC is taking money. It has gone, uh, you know, when we started this podcast, it went from nine to eight and a half. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I understand that side of it. And that is the, if you're going to bet this game with the points, it's USC, but it terrifies me to go against Gonzaga at this stage in time. I think a lot of people are going to feel that way. And that's maybe why USC is the, the sharper side of this game. Um, let me know where you're at on the points here. And let me know if you, think USC actually has a shot to to win the game, even if you like them to cover? I think USC is the right side in this game. I, I like them plus nine. Um, winning the game, different story, but I think they do have a shot. It's going to get interesting. Look, USC has the size to compete with Gonzaga. The, Evan Mobley is dominant inside. The way they beat Oregon last night, Oregon's a really good team. Oregon's extremely balanced. They, they dominate. Oregon didn't have a shot in that game last night. And now Gonzaga, look, I don't want to go against Gonzaga, um, right. but I do think they're going to be put in a situation they haven't been in in a while. Uh, Creighton doesn't have size. Outside of Bishop, Creighton's a bunch of guards. Creighton can shoot, and can, but that's not how you beat Gonzaga. Gonzaga, you need, you need to be able to defend Gonzaga inside. You need to be able to show them length at the three-point line. You need to – like Oregon last night was catching the ball behind the three-point line. They were hesitating to shoot because how many tip shots, how many altered shots, how many how many times they went up for a, a shot they were going to take that ended up turning into a shot fake because, oh, wait, now I have a six foot 11 guy coming and closing out on a shot at me. It's not a six foot five guy. That's what's so different about USC and that the country, for the most part, this season hasn't seen because they play at 10, 11 o'clock Eastern at night. So, yep. Unless you're showing up to your boss the next day on four hours of sleep, you don't get to see the Mobley brothers play that often. You didn't see them this year that much. But 
I think they'll be able to defensively keep us at a lower scoring game than Gonzaga wants it to be. Gonzaga struggled early in the year versus West Virginia with West Virginia size. And then they, they finished the game strong. Um, I like every point that, that I can take in this game. Uh, USC where, where they're evolving and what's so impressive is they're shooting the ball at such a really high rate right now. They weren't doing that during the, the conference season. And, and that's why I think they have a legitimate chance to make this a very close game. And it's going to be interesting because as good as Gonzaga is, and as much as they were battle tested early in the year, you're probably going to see them in a close game situation after the under eight media timeout in the second half. That's something that they haven't experienced in a while and muscle memory. We haven't done this in three months. I'm, I'm waiting to see how that plays out the last couple minutes of the game. Yeah, the only real game Gonzaga's been in in a while uh, was that that championship game against BYU, uh, which BYU was up 12 at halftime. Gonzaga came storming back, as, uh, as I think most of us thought they would, and got that one. They might have even won that one by double digits. They won it pretty I convincingly. I think they won by nine. Nine, yeah. Um, so Matt, Matt Harms for BYU missed three layups, which <laughs> – there you I was go. surprised that uh, it, I hate to do it, but after the way he played at Purdue, it was it was pretty predictable that he was going to miss some layups. Like I don't think USC is going to going to falter. If so they, if they're in a position like BYU was in that in that West Coast Championship game, USC is not going to blow it the way that BYU did. There's a difference between Matt Harms and Evan Mobley. Big difference. So that's where I'm going here. Uh, this is a this is a different team. It's funny because the BYU and USC are both six seeds in this tournament. So uh, on paper, maybe they can appear the same, but this is going to be a different test from that BYU game. Gonzaga can't go down 12 at halftime in this game. Uh, if they want to win this game, they can, like you said, you're, you know, you're taking USC with the points. So it, it can still be a game and Gonzaga can show us they're the team that we all think they are and, and pull away and win this game by four five, six. And, uh, you know, make their, make their final four appearance, but this is going to be the, the toughest test for Gonzaga, uh, you know, by far, I think in, in this tournament and by far in a, in a long time. So I, I'm excited to watch the game. I'm, I'm terrified to take USC with the points, even though I think it's the right side. And I kind of like Baylor, I would be, I would be pretty shocked if Gonzaga lo actually lost this game, but I, I do expect it to be very competitive. Let me just say before we go into the last game or ask you before we go into the last game, as we record, both Gonzaga and Baylor sit at minus 400 exactly on the money line. Which team would you be more surprised if they if they lost? Baylor or Gonzaga? Mm -hmm. uh, I'd be more surprised if Baylor lost, to be honest with you, because that's what um, I was going to say too. I, I respect. I, I think USC is, is a step above Arkansas. Um, yeah, it, it might be the unpopular choice, but I, I would be more surprised if Baylor loses to Arkansas. No, I, I think that's the right answer, which, you know, it's a little late to be getting in on futures on the two favorites. Mm -hmm. But, like, if you're somebody that think USC has a good shot and and feel Baylor's in as strong a position as, as we do, you know, you can still get Baylor at, like, plus 250. Um, not that it's – if they do see Gonzaga in that final game, uh, you know, all bets are off, but – Something to consider there if you're looking for some value. Uh, this last game, this UCLA run, I, I can't quite from? figure out where this came from. Like, Oregon State was 
I don't think any of us had him in the, in the elite eight, but it's like, okay, there's a body of work there. Like they turned things around at a certain point in the season, got through the end of conference play like that, had, had a great pac 12 run and then carried it into this tournament. And uh, you know, you wrap your brain around that. I can't wrap my brain around where the UCLA turning point was because there wasn't one. They were just kind of a, a meh team throughout the course of the season. Um, they got knocked off immediately by, by the Beavers in the conference tournament. Uh, they play a very talented, although wildly inconsistent, Michigan team in the first four. And uh, here, here they are creeping by teams. And um, Alabama screamed the end of the road to me for UCLA, and it was not. I... I have to keep sticking with my guns here. I think I'm maybe a little more confident than you in this game. I don't like you at uh, UCLA. I, I'm tempted yeah. to lay the seven with Michigan. Me too. It, it, it brings up another question of how much of that last game was Michigan asserting its dominance even without Isaiah Livers versus Florida State just being kind of this Jekyll and Hyde team and not necessarily showing up. The boring answer is it's probably a combination of both, mm-hmm. but – how do you see this game? Is UCLA actually for real? Do you put much weight behind the, the the dominance over FSU? Because I'm talking myself into laying the seven with Michigan. I'm leaning towards laying it with Michigan too. The, the knock on UCLA this year was that they didn't have many shooters. They're actually shooting the ball a lot better in the lights out. (laughs) That said though, Alabama lost that game last night. Alabama missed a ton of free throws. Herbert Jones misses two free throws that could have won the game right then and there. They don't close the door. Michigan's not going to let that happen. Florida State did not play well, and it was a combination of Michigan playing pretty well, Florida State not playing well. That said, though, I do think this tournament, Michigan's they've they've risen up and and played, and and without Livers, they've done a really good job. And even without it, what this does, even if they didn't look great versus Florida State, it gives them another game of them having confidence. Look, they're not walking into this game versus UCLA and saying, oh, well, we're going to, we might struggle with them. You, they just beat a team uh, who's better than UCLA, who's significantly better than UCLA. So I think they're going to come in with a ton of confidence. They get that, that extra chemistry built by playing the, those 40 minutes together. I think they come in here in, in a really good spot and UCLA, UCLA dancing after the game yesterday. I mean, they didn't, really earn this spot in my opinion before these three games i don't want to take anything away they didn't earn they really yeah. like, they really didn't get over the hump um i this might be the truth there's 61 percent of tickets as of right now i don't know how it'll settle up but 61 61 of the tickets are on ucla right now i think michigan's going to be the right side all right. I mean, if those tickets keep coming in on UCLA, I like Michigan even even more. I don't know if we're going to get this at a better number or not, but uh, I would be very intrigued by that. Michigan showed me a lot, I think, in that Florida State game. Um, I couldn't believe I, I wound up on on the Michigan money line at one point in time. It just kept shrinking, uh, and I talked myself into Michigan. Worked out. I, I'm happy that people are, are sleeping on them, I guess. And like you said, like UCLA – I thought the last one was going to be, you know, they just kind of peaked. Uh, you're coming into the second, the second weekend and uh, that momentum is going to be gone and it was still there. Mm-hmm. So I'll give them credit for that. But I, I would be very surprised if Michigan was, was not the end of the road for them. Um, 
any other any thoughts on on totals or anything on on these elite eight games before we move on? I'm I'm not very interested. I haven't in handicapped all. the totals yet. I haven't played a single total in the tournament yet. It's been all sides. Yeah. Um, you're gonna there, there's gonna be value on a few unders. I haven't picked which one I'm playing yet though, but there there's gonna be games that the possessions get a little tighter and the game slows down. We could have a good one tonight in Oregon State, Houston. That number already dropped two points, but mm-hmm. the, the possessions are going to matter more and more as you get closer to the five-minute mark, second half. Yeah, I will say, as you would expect, Gonzaga is the highest on the board at 153.5 right now. Yeah, Like you said, that's one where, where USC is going to D up and maybe limit some possessions because that's what you have to do against Gonzaga as the highest total on the board. That's kind of an interesting one. I doubt I'll be on any totals, but I, I think that that's an interesting spot. Um, okay. Before we wrap up, I, I probably know what you're going to say here, but give me, uh, give me your national championship game and who wins it and why. I, I said Baylor could beat uh, Gonzaga from earlier in the season because I, I think they have a better defense and I think they have the size. So I'm sticking with that. I think it, I think we get Baylor and Gonzaga. And I think Baylor, with everything last year and, and them being in a spot where they could have and should have made a run if the tournament went on, uh, I think they, they carry that out and get the job done this year. Um It's going to be a fun couple of days leading up to it, though, man. I mean, there's simple as that. Moments played out. Nothing is certain, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting anything in ink uh, for the national champion right now. I'm just playing game by game and seeing how it plays out and try to make some money along the way. Yeah, no, I agree with taking this just kind of step by step. Um, that's so. What I've been saying since this tournament started is I've been so confident that Gonzaga was going to make the national championship game because of their path on their side that, uh, you know, I have Gonzaga tickets at like plus a thousand from before the season, but I, I've just been very confident that they're going to be in that game. So like in brackets or whatnot, I would put them in as the champion, but I've thought I, I was hoping we would get Baylor Illinois on the other side, but we obviously are not going to get that. I, I've thought that the Baylor Illinois winner is going to have a, a good shot in that national title game. If one of them was there mm-hmm. against Gonzaga, um, I just thought those two teams would have a, a tougher time getting there. And uh, it looks like Baylor is going to be the one hopefully to, to kind of prevail, but uh, I'm, I'm with you. I think that Baylor has a decent shot. If we get that game, um, I will, I will not be leaving my Gonzaga tickets unhedged. I will certainly be doing some hedging because Baylor is that good of a, that good of a team. Um, all right, man. I know you've been cleaning up during the uh, during the tournament. It's been going well for me as well. Uh, the Beavers obviously are, are very much to thank for that. Um, so yeah, I mean, o- Oregon State on on Monday night for you. You're on USC tomorrow night. I'm still terrified of that, but we'll come up with something later. Uh, anything else you wanna you wanna add? And your your Michigan lean lean as well. That's probably something that I'm I'm gonna get down on soon enough. Let's hit this Oregon State play tonight and then uh, and then move on and, and try to clean up on the rest of the board. There you go. James Alberino. You can find him on Twitter at Spread Investor, uh, spreadinvestor.com. Follow him. He will have plays. They've been doing very well. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Julian Edlow, and we will try and continue to kill this tournament. We're finally getting down to it. And uh, Final Four Saturday night, we will have another edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast 
on Thursday, uh, working on a guest for that and working on hopefully some DK Sportsbook giveaways for you guys uh, to use on the Final Four on Saturday night. James, thank you for coming on, sir. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, man. We'll do it soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.